recording here. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. You ready? Awesome. Bismillah. Uh, Salam, Mariam. Thank you for for joining us again uh, quite soon on the podcast since your your last appearance. Um, but I guess the circumstances have changed so crazily and drastically that that I think it's important that we kind of speak again and and have a slightly different conversation. Um, I guess I mean first things first. How how are you? How's the family? Is everyone coping in uh, self isolation? Yeah, alhamdulillah, we're coping. It's been it's been it's it, I, yeah, it's difficult. It's been difficult. I think. Um, Although we haven't been thrown into homeschooling because we've been doing it anyway, I feel like there's it's it's been there's been so much change to our routine and sort of just the there is there is kind of like a a weird added pressure, Absolutely. right? Like like no, once you know that you're not allowed to leave the house, suddenly that's the only thing you yeah. want to do, um, which is I think just kind of human nature. Um, so I guess for for people that might not have heard the first uh, podcast that we did together. Um, the the title of it was something along the lines of should more Muslim parents consider homeschooling, yeah. um, and and we looked at kind of uh, everything from start to finish. I came in quite um, I think to be honest naive and and just kind of unaware about a lot of the different aspects of it, um, and I threw a lot of misconceptions at you that were partly mine and partly just the general stuff that you hear about homeschooling and homeschool yeah. kids. Um, but as I said. Now we're in a position where, you know, we're in quarantine. We don't know how long for. And so parents are now having to face the reality of, of spending the entire day yeah. with their kids. Um, and, and yourself as a kind of parenting coach and someone that homeschools and, and kind of uh, essentially coaches parents through all of that stuff. Um, I thought it would be worth having that conversation with you. So your speciality is kind of zero yeah, to seven yeah, year old yeah, kids. Yeah. Um, the early years and and i guess my first question is probably um along the lines of how do we talk to our kids about coronavirus um especially at that young age um what are we expecting them to 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 understand how much detail should we go into and everything um and all of that basically hello uh, yeah, it froze. I didn't catch what you said there. Oh, that's fine. I'll, I'll repeat what I said. This is the problem with technology. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what, what I was saying is that for, for young people or, or for kids between the ages of zero and seven, um, yeah. I, the, the difficulty as parents, I, I think, is probably knowing what level of detail you can go into. How do you talk to your kids about coronavirus? So I guess we'll start there. Like, how, how, how does a parent approach this conversation topic with their kids? Okay, um, I think first and foremost, it's just gauging what our children already know about the situation, because a lot of them, if they're already in nurseries or in schools, they'll realise there's a big change that, okay, how come, why am I not going to nursery, or why am I not going to school? And perhaps there's been already teachers have approached the subject, or maybe, you know, we all have sort of the news at home, and perhaps they've caught that kind of coronavirus word, and they know what's happening at the moment. So I think it's first and foremost, being open with our children, so perhaps asking um, open questions to sort of gauge what they already know. Yeah. Uh, and then secondly, so just to be honest, I think obviously we don't want to scare our children because obviously what we know is a lot more, uh, we know a lot more in depth. So there's, there, there is a sort of, um, I think there is a sort of 
uh, lines which obviously you wouldn't run across with them. And also explaining to them, okay, although this is the virus and how we sort of can protect ourselves, because now we're at home with our children. So, you know, the simple things are sort of like washing your hands. And also, I think offering reassurance that life, you know, if we think about it as adults, such a scary and sort of unprecedented time for us, and we have sort of big feelings that are coming up, you know, we're being isolated at home. And it's the same thing for our children as well. Yeah. But offering and allowing ourselves to be a safe space for our children to sort of open up and say, you know, mommy, I'm scared. And mommy, I really want to go out. And my children say to me as well, like, you know, my, my eldest said to me, she's five, and she said, mommy, I hate this coronavirus. You know, we can't go to soccer. We can't go to the parks. And it's so difficult because you see in them and you just think, oh, how do I explain this? Um, you know, it, it's such a difficult concept for them that we're not allowed to go out. So just allowing yourself to be a safe space and allowing for them to, you know, express their feelings um, mm. and how they feel about the situation and just being there. You know, there's unfortunately there isn't maybe anything we can do to sort of make it better. I.e., we can't we can't allow them outside, but perhaps there's other ways at home that we can sort of engage them and keep them busy and distracted. I I think um, the difficulty from at least how, how I perceive everything is that we as adults are, are also struggling with this and I think you know p- people are coming around to that fact like my thought process and I think I might have already mentioned this on, on a previous podcast is that initially I was thinking about um, the the health implications of coronavirus being like people are going to die and whatever else then I started yeah. thinking about the economic impact and how that's going to really impact families and whatever else and now I'm falling on and I'm, I'm still in the same place of thinking about mental health um and it's it's really scary because i feel like as time goes on and this isolation period kind of just drags on and on people are really going to struggle and, and and there's been conversations around domestic abuse as well people are now technically locked up with their oppressors um and, and it's quite difficult at like an adult level to to kind of cope with and deal with the reality that all of a sudden our lives have been catastrophically kind of shifted and changed and we don't know how long for and we don't know you know what the repercussions are um, and uh, I guess being able to kind of communicate that with kids. And, and I'm, I mean, here's, here's probably a question for you that when you as an adult or you as a parent are still struggling and are concerned and scared, um, it, I find it, or is it not disingenuous to kind of tell your kid, oh, everything's okay, you're all right, everything's going to be good. But, you know, then you go to your room and you're kind of crying in kind of fear and anxiety. Um, is that yeah. fair? Is that okay to do? Yeah. No, I, abs- I absolutely understand what you mean. Um, I think I've been through that thought process, especially in the beginning myself. I was really sort of struggling with it. Yeah. And I think it's difficult because you want to be a sort of non-anxious presence for your child. But again, you're human as well. So naturally, your children will see like when, you know, mommy's a bit stressed out and they don't understand why. And if your children are at that level where you feel like they can sort of cope and appreciate, you can say, you know what, um, you know, we're all very worried and mommy's, mommy's very worried as well. And it's okay to be, you know, it's okay to have those feelings. So again, you're sort of showing that it's okay to have those. They're not negative feelings. You know, everyone has those big feelings. Mm. And it's okay that obviously your children are feeling that way as well. But I think, again, it's really interesting that we're having this podcast as well, because I think, you know, as much as, as adults, our mental health perhaps might be suffering. I think it's the same for children. And like you were saying, with, you know, I was reading articles about, you know, domestic abuse being on the high. And, you know, it's so sad because for some children, school was their sort of safe haven. Um, mm. And, you know, it's children are sort of stuck at home and you know uh it's it, it, i think it is a really it's a really difficult situation but again i think it's kind of uh being able to kind of notice when our mental health as parents is getting bad 
and are there perhaps strategies or things that we can do? So I noticed for myself, for example, when everything started at the beginning, I was kind of consuming everything, you know, watching the news and hearing it and keeping up with the daily updates. And I just, I thought, okay, do you know what? This is not helping me. As much as I want to stay informed, I think there has to be a line where you know yourself, okay, this is more than staying informed. This is becoming a bit too much for me. So perhaps it's sort of uh, being conscious of how much you're consuming and where the information is coming from as well. It, I think that's a, that's a fantastic point and, and I think we all suffer from that especially when it comes to looking at um, everything that's happened and how it's taken place and as you say like the day I remember the daily updates when we were still in the office we would all yeah. kind of gather around obviously keeping a little bit of a safe distance but we'd all gather around a computer and and watch what the latest is from Boris Johnson and, and what the government are saying and and it, it, it is all consuming um, and and this is the thing, like, I feel like even coming back to our, our conversation on the last podcast, I was asking you about, like, you know, does it get overwhelming being around your kids 24-7 as much as you might love them? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I feel like, you know, having experienced it myself, sometimes the answer is kind of a little bit yes, because mm -hmm. you're you're in, in, in a very close environment. As I said, it's like it's not like you can go to the shops and you can go out to a restaurant and you can change the environment. Everything is very much the same. Um, like personally, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the kind of the rhythm and routine of things. Um, and yeah. I'm trying to, for example, like I, I now bath my daughter every evening and that's like our activity that we do religiously every day, pretty much. And, and it's nice to be able to do those things. Whereas previously yeah. I would have evening meetings and an event I have to go to or whatever else. Um, but, but there is still that concern. So for, for parents who are kind of looking at it, I, I mean, firstly, I, I'm not too aware of, because of, my daughter's not at school yet, I'm not too aware of the setup, but is school still ongoing for, for kids of that age? Uh, yeah, I believe it is. Um, I'm in contact with quite a lot of parents who do send their children to school. So um, I'm aware that teachers have been sending out sort of homework packs and work packs. Mm. Um, there's a lot of classes that are happening online. Uh, teachers are there's a lot of schools where teachers are quite in touch with parents so they're having sort of weekly uh, phone calls to the parents directly which I thought was quite it was quite amazing to have that yeah. um, so it is very much still going on but I believe obviously responsibility is now falling on the parent more so than the teacher yeah I, I mean this is this is the issue right that number one I think for most parents well for all parents you want the best for your child and especially yeah. in like the they always talk about the early years being the most formative and they're like their minds are like sponges and yeah. suddenly, like, I, I know I would be feeling very anxious that my kid is no longer in school in that environment and no longer benefiting. And, and there's also the issue around being in front of a screen all day, um, which mm -hmm. which as adults we know is the most draining and horrible thing that we all have to kind of do. Um, but how how do you kind of circumvent that? And, and obviously it it's got to be quite concerning depending how long this goes on for. Luckily, we've got obviously the summer holiday or like a little break coming up. Um but yeah, how do how do parents, I guess, supplement what they're now receiving from traditional schooling, which is obviously very weird. Mm -hmm. Like, like um, yeah, I think at the moment there's a lot. I mean, if you look, even if you do a quick Google search, if you go online, there's a lot of resources that are available. A lot of companies um have made their resources which generally were sort of subscription based but you have to pay for they're absolutely freed out so there's a lot sort of going on and i think in, in point to sort of say that i believe that can become very overwhelming in itself as well firstly obviously your 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 sort of dumped with responsibility of your children's education yeah. um and then secondly there's just so much out there 
Um, so I think the first thing I would say to that point is that to remember that, you know, when, when as adults and even as children as well, when we're stressed, we can't learn, um, our brains can't learn. So I think the first and foremost, first thing I would say that obviously, if you, if you choose to sort of obviously go down the route where you still want to educate your children and teach them at home, you're using the work packs and the things that have become available, it's fine. But to firstly make sure that, you know, you're creating a, an environment which is supportive um and that you can sort of remember that first and foremost you are this you are the parent uh, and not to try and become sort of the teacher because that's not what you that's not what you are um and to first and foremost obviously make sure that your children are comfortable and they feel safe and secure because like we obviously like we're talking about there's there's so much sort of uh, big feeling sort of happening and children are feeling um anxious although they may not perhaps talk about it um, and children are sort of feeling confused and not understanding. And like you were saying, you know, their whole routines have just been sort of thrown upside down. But I always sort of say to parents is first focus on creating sort of like a, a not a schedule because we're not trying to sort of replicate school at home, um, but perhaps like a routine or sort of a rhythm going. Because, I mean, from my experience as a homeschooler, um, when we sort of homeschool, it's never uh, it's never done sort of for the whole day. So perhaps the most amount of, of formal education you could say that we do is about maximum two to three hours. And that would be sort of like in the morning. So perhaps if you're looking at your children and sort of observing when would be the best time for them to learn, would it be in the morning? Or perhaps would it be in the evenings or the afternoons? I think the main thing here is um, we're not trying to replicate school at home because obviously the style of school sort of teaching is for like 30 plus students mm. and obviously you as the parent you have the ability to um, give your children one-to-one -one attention you have the ability to sort of accommodate to their needs accommodate to their sort of learning style so to answer your question I would say there's there's lots and lots of resources out there like on the internet online and I feel like if you need help uh, reach out to homeschoolers um, I've seen that, um, and I'm not just saying this because I am a homeschooler, but, you know, this, we have so much sort of advice and you know, we understand your struggles and we understand, you know, being with your children all day. And because obviously parents who have sent their children to school have sort of been thrown into it. But whereas with homeschoolers, you obviously made that decision and it was sort of like a slow process if you thought about it over time. And, you know, I can completely um, sympathize and understand how much how uh, pressurizing it must be and mm. how, how difficult it must be essentially. Because even as homeschoolers, I would absolutely say being with your children all the time, it can be very difficult. Um, but it's obviously through creating different sort of routines and rhythms with what works for you, it becomes that little bit easier. So, so sorry, sorry to, to cut you off, but but this is this is why I wanted to kind of have this conversation with you because exactly what you just said. It, it it even if someone is doing this and deliberates over it for six to twelve months and then finally you know does loads of research and takes the plunge, then they still might feel overwhelmed and it's 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 a, an immense amount of pressure on your shoulders. What we're finding now is that obviously everybody is kind of has been thrown into this situation, um, yeah. doesn't quite know what to do or how to do it and whatever else so I, I thought you know if it's like possible to I guess number one answer you know some of these kind of basic questions that I assume a lot of people would have but then also be able to try and map out a little bit of of how people can start this journey because I feel like especially at that age it makes sense to me that you would follow the intrigues of your child yeah. um so if if your child likes playing in the garden if you have a garden then spend time with them out there and talk to them about mud and grass and the sun and whatever else 
Um, if they prefer books, then then read books with them. But how? I, I mean, how? What are you supposed to be doing with a child? Um, you know, below the age of seven, um, in terms of helping with their development. I think what you said um, about following their interests. Another thing is, I think we underestimate as parents the power of play. And I think um, I used to do this as well. Um, you look at children when they're playing, you think, oh, that's not learning. But it is the basics of your of your sort of learning. The foundation is rooted in play. So yeah. like you said, if your child is interested in nature, perhaps, and you're lucky enough to have a garden, um, spending time in the garden, looking at sort of, you know, different colors, shapes, classifying, sorting, that's all in nature. Um, thinking about, um, even when you think about maths, you know, the practical life skills that we have, the cooking, the baking, the measuring, the way that's all maths um thinking about science and um, playing with different materials obviously indoors and outside the indoors and um outside the house when you're thinking about reading you know reading aloud to your children you know even making books and writing stories with them and using like their teddies or toys uh, as story props that's all absolutely english um if you think if you have magazines newspapers at home uh things like that that that's that's all english and i think um to answer your question as to what are you supposed to be doing with your children um I think what I would say is first and foremost is that uh, I think learning, I mean, learning and living, obviously you can't separate the two, that, you know, that, that just comes uh, together. But I think what I would say is follow your child's interest. So another thing which is really good is actually project work. So sit down with your child, sort of your five or six year old, or even your four year old perhaps and say, you know, what would you like to learn about? And perhaps you could create an amazing list of things that they want to learn about. And that could be like theme studies or project work that you could do. Mm. Um, another in, uh, amazing thing that we do, which is actually uh, from a book, which is very popular in the homeschooling community it's called The Brave Learner. Um, and what she sort of recommends, which I do personally, is to create a giant wall of questions. And we know how many times children ask questions in a day. So what you could do is every time your child asks a question, or if they're, you know, if they're at the age range where they can write, write it down on a sticky note, stick it up on the wall, uh, on the wall and I bet you by the end of the week, you probably have thousands of questions up there. And then every day you can sort of choose one or two and look through them together, look through books, you know, go on the Internet, um, absolutely, absolutely anything. Um, and I think another thing which is important for parents, which I always sort of say um, to the parents that I work with, is perhaps look at creating, uh, have a little notebook or a journal for yourself. Because sometimes I think at the end of the day, you might sort of think and sit there, oh, gosh, you know what, they haven't learned anything. And I, I, I just, you know, like, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, creating a little sort of journal and noting down, okay, what books have you read today? You know, um, observing, what can you observe in your child? Perhaps you've, you know, given them something to do. Look at their strengths, look at their, you know, what they find difficult. Think about um, any of the questions that come up again. You know, so you can sort of look back at it at the end of the day, you flick through it and you think, you know what, actually, we have done quite a lot. You know, we did baking today, we did cooking, we read some books today. And looking at, you know, what subjects sort of come underneath them, that's basically what I would say is at this time that our children will remember how they felt. They won't remember, you know, what we were teaching them. They won't remember all of this sort of stuff. So I think uh, to answer the question sort of in general is um, following the child, following the interest. I think think of this time as a kind of a kind of a extended summer holiday, I would say. Mm. Um, so as much as you can obviously use the, the workbooks and the work packs and the homework that you are being sent from the teachers in school, think about other ways that you can sort of supplement your children's learning as well. And uh, I, I mean, there's, there's two int interesting things that, that I, I want to kind of touch on. The, f the first is you mentioned um, about feelings and, and how 
kids will remember more so their feelings than actually the tangible takeaways from from this time um which is very interesting in itself but be before we talk about that you mentioned like the kind of summer holiday um side of things and I feel like, and I don't know because I haven't experienced it yet myself, but I feel like uh, maybe for a lot of parents, a summer holiday is pretty much uh, uh, exactly that. It's just a, a bit of a holiday, which means that, you know, you make the most of like putting your kid in front of the TV, let them, you know, just, just you chill out a little bit. They don't need to worry about learning and whatever else. Um, but how, I, I guess because of the intensity of everything and because we need breaks as parents as well from, from the... The burden of responsibility which obviously is a, is a blessing at the same time but how do we um balance all of that so even right now if you're if your kids at home all day and i think like the interesting thing is when when it does come to the summer holiday and there is nothing coming from the schools um we, you know you, you're going to be stuck in that same position where your kids can't go to a summer camp they can't go to their friend's house they can't do anything you're mm -hmm. at home with them how how do you find the balance and this is i guess generally even outside of coronavirus time for yourself how do you find the balance between allowing your kids to just be and to watch TV and to color and do whatever and kind of um, nurturing them and, and going through the whole learning experience? Yeah, sure. Um, I think with this question, so to answer it in terms of outside uh, the coronavirus and even inside as well, I would say that as much as, um, you know, like obviously we're talking about suggestions of what we can do with our children is mm -hmm. to also remember that we are not, our children's, uh, how should I put this? We are not our children's sort of entertainment, for example. I think that's the word I'm looking for. So we're not responsible for constantly entertaining them. So the the idea of having, you know, unstructured time, the idea of allowing your children to be bored. I mean, my children always say to me, mommy, I'm bored. And I always say to them, you know, I used to get bored all the time as a child and I used to come up with the most fantastic ideas. And it's just allowing your children to be bored. And I think it's also looking at, um, so outside of the coronavirus, to kind of it, it, it take off that sort of pressure on myself. I used to um, make sure that I have enough resources. So, for example, if you have children who are in the sort of zero to seven early years age range, naturally, I assume that you would have puzzles, you would have board games, you would have books, you know, Lego, those sort of type of things at home. So allowing them, and that's very child-led, you don't sort of need to give them any instructions for that sort of thing. So those are the kind of resources that I use personally for myself to ease off the pressure and obviously reminding myself that I'm, essentially, I'm, I, I do teach my child, um, but I wouldn't call myself a teacher. I am a facilitator. So to ensure that, you know, the environment around me is very child-led, i.e. there are opportunities for children to do things themselves independently. Um, and I think for parents who do have obviously sent their children to school and now find themselves homeschooling is to kind of take off that pressure of yourself is to remember you are not responsible unfortunately you've, you've been put into a position where you now have become responsible for your children's education but you are not their uh, essentially you're not their teacher you are their parents first and foremost so um i think that's what i would say so you, naturally you... use use those resources like you said if you do have a garden yeah. um allow your children to spend time you said something very interesting, which I've never really thought about um, along the lines of talking about your kids' boredom um, and, and how you're not responsible for them being entertained 24-7. Um, yeah. Again, as a parent of, a, of an 18-month-old or nine, I've lost track, 19 months maybe, um, I, I feel very much responsible for her um, needing to be entertained 24-7. And, and, and I'm sure you can remember that time where they, yeah. they can't communicate fully 
Um, they know what they want. They're very headstrong. Um, you know, boredom is just not on the agenda. Boredom just means they're going to throw a tantrum. Um, yeah. So I, I guess, again, like generally not, not necessarily specific to the current circumstance, but w how do we kind of, I keep using the word nurture because it's in in the title of your of your company. But yeah, how how do we nurture the kind of spirit of kids being okay with being bored? Yeah, I think essentially it's it it, it comes through practice. It's allowing uh, enough time to do that. So obviously, with the age range you're talking about, obviously with your daughter specifically. Yeah. Um, I would say that when I talk about having an environment which is uh, child friendly, I don't just mean safe. I mean, like having like, perhaps resources on the shelf, so for example, blocks or, you know, uh, other things that sort of she finds engaging and, you know, she can sort of pull off. This is very Montessori, so, so she can sort of pull off independently and sit there and play. And I'm not saying, obviously, at the age of your daughter, their attention spans are very, very short. So obviously, you probably are more responsible for sort of uh, physically looking after them. And I, I, was, I was looking um, for a get out of jail free card. You can be like, oh, just leave her. Let, her. let her sit in the corner, throw a tantrum. That's not your problem. <laughs> But okay, fine, no, no, I'll, no. I'll, I'll keep parenting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so I think, obviously, with boredom, I think, to answer your question, it is just with practice. I'm not saying let them be bored all the time, but mm. when they do have that unstructured time, you'll find they'll find amazing things to do themselves. If the resources are available for them, if things are there, you know, there's Lego, there's puzzles, they'll stop sort of bugging you and they'll get that puzzle and they'll just get on with it. Um, and kids will. I think it's allowing ourselves as parents to be comfortable with the fact that okay, you know what, I don't need to constantly sort of be, you know, stimulating them all the time. Um, and and, and um, can, that have, can that have an adverse effect? If you are constantly uh, stimulating your child and then... Yeah, they, I they think, think I, I mean, that? in my opinion, uh, I, I would think so. Because I think as, as um, we want to nurture self-directed learners, don't we? So I think by constantly stimulating them ourselves, perhaps that sort of intrinsic motivation perhaps might not be there if we're sort of constantly on their heads. Um, and perhaps um, there's sort of an argument to say that sort of the more that you sort of nag and sort of test their children will only do things uh, to sort of get you off their back and they won't do it because they intrinsically want to do it themselves. So I think that idea of having that unstructured time on boredom is quite, uh, it's quite important. And another thing I wanted before I forget, um, the, screen time, the screen time sort of uh, debate or issue, I think specifically to the situation that we're in right now, I would say as parents, you know, I'm not saying let children sort of sit there uh, the entire day watching TV or watching movies, but I think we do need to be really easy on ourselves. Um, this is uh, a unprecedented sort of pandemic and none of us know how to cope. Nobody knows what they're doing is right or if it's wrong. Nobody knows. So I think there will be some days where, you know, you'll just sit and watch movies, you know, for half of the day. And that's absolutely fine. You know, if that's what you need for your mental health, um, and if that's what your child needs at that time, that's absolutely fine. I think given the situation that we're currently in, um, I would say absolutely anything goes. Nobody knows what they're doing. I, I think that's, that's, that's very true and, and very important. Like, as, as I mentioned right at the beginning, you know, we, we're still coming to terms with everything. Um, you know, people have lost their jobs, are on furlough, um, self-employed people, are, their businesses can no longer run and whatever else. And and then at the same time, for, for those of us who are parents, it's like you've also got the the responsibility of looking after your child, but added responsibility of like spending probably a lot more time with them than you previously were. Um, mm. And it can be very kind of overwhelming. Um, 
So I think just in terms of we, we've briefly talked about it, but in terms of resources, actually, no, sorry, 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 sorry. Before before we move on, I don't want to forget that you were talking about feelings. Um, and I found that very interesting because, as I said, like, I think especially in the early years, it is all about feelings. And when I say early years, I mean, like one, two maybe three i don't know i haven't got there yet but I'll, I'll i'll tell you in a year's time but like it's it's very much i know about you know making your child feel safe and loved and important and and you know like like uh, appreciating every little thing they do and encouraging them and everything else um but how how does that then i guess man de- develop and manifest um in the in the sort of the following years because again i i was under the impression that like from three, four, five onwards, it's very much mm-hmm. about them not learning everything, but the building, you know, building the foundation and the building blocks of what will what will be their, um, let's call it educational spectrum and then leading on to their kind of career and and, and, and their aptitude and how, how smart they are and how good at maths and everything else. I always felt like it's, it's very early on that you develop like an acumen for this um but mm-hmm. you you kind of said the complete opposite which was like just make you feel just make your kids feel good um that's all that matters um mm-hmm. so yeah i i'd love to hear more based on kind of your your own research and understanding as to how i guess how important is it what kids are learning in those early years right now yeah um i think the uh so obviously research shows that from the age of zero to seven that's the time that our sort of brain develops so everything emotionally and that's the time our brain is sort of formed and everything from that childhood period uh affects us now like even to up until adults or how we are now when we become parents yeah. so i think that time is absolutely crucial and i think it's important to remember that our emotional states are connected to our learning so for the early years, you can't separate emotions from learning. So I don't know if you think back to like when you were in school, perhaps there was a teacher that you like, you know, you were fond of or you really liked, and you probably would have really enjoyed that subject particularly. And if we think back to why, it's because, you know, the reason why I emphasize, you know, our children feeling safe, feeling seen, feeling loved, first and foremost, before anything, is because it's connected to our learning. If our children naturally feel like that, they will naturally feel confident. They will want to be, they will like intrinsically be motivated to learn themselves because they'll have that love of learning instead of us kind of just forcing them and you know having daily battles over homework and if you I think I would pose the question that is it really worth kind of fighting your children over maths um, than uh, you having sort of like a thriving relationship with your child is it worth losing that kind of or weakening that connection or that relationship with your child over a, a math problem, for example. Mm. Um, that's what I would say. And I think from my own experience as well, when you put, you know, when you focus on that connection and you nurture that relationship connection with your child first and foremost, they will want to, uh, you know, whatever you're trying to teach them or whatever you're, you're trying to do with them, they'll naturally want to do it um, because they feel safe and they feel comfortable with you. So I think it's, it, it's, it's, it's so important. I think it's really interesting that... Um... You, you, I, I mean, we've we've been given as parents a very unique opportunity um, to to have so much time with our kids and to be able to build that kind of bond and relationship that you just mentioned that we wouldn't otherwise have had. You know, if, if we're in a situation where, let's say, both both parents in the home are working mm-hmm. till six o'clock or whatever, they come home, see the kids for like two, three hours and on weekends and that's about it. That's quite limited time to kind of build that relationship. But 
again, you made a very interesting point about, you know, rather than fighting your kid over like, oh, do your work, um, actually just building a, 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 a good working relationship with them. Um, and I guess being able to utilize this time is is also very, very valuable um that's I, I mean that's that's really that's really quite interesting and and i mean that's the thing I, I think it all comes down to perspective if you look at what we've been blessed with in terms of mm-hmm. the opportunity that coronavirus has provided to parents to spend so much time I, I mean i know parents for example who one of my friends had a kid like a month before this all happened and so he's been able mm-hmm. to see his child develop in like a very you know day by day way which he wouldn't have been able to previously because he'd been working all day um and and even i know as well like especially in the early months coming home and and seeing my daughter you know have developmental milestones but not being there for the exact second it happened um is it it would have been very nice obviously to kind of see that and and so we're lucky and i think as i said it's about trying to see the best in the situation and make the most of it ultimately right um so just i guess uh the the last thing the last thing that i wanted to kind of um get from you i guess is just um for for parents that i guess want to be more actively involved in the, in their kids learning over the next few months and obviously we don't know how long this is going to go on for or i guess if people have now found themselves in a position of well I've always thought about homeschooling. Here we are. Let's give it a go. Um, what are the best steps to take and resources that they can use um, to, to help them on that kind of, on that journey? Um, I would say first and foremost, I spend this time to really connect with your child. Um, and I'm not saying outside of this, you're not connecting with your child. But, you know, like you were saying, we've all been really forced to slow down. Um, and we're all at home Um, and like you said it's sort of if you it's a perspective you know the the opportunity that we have now that perhaps that we wouldn't have had before so use this time to really connect with your child Um, understand your child as a person so not as your pupil not as your student but as a person so you know what what do they like Uh, what are they interested in Um, you know what sort of gets them going that sort of stuff Um, use this time to we have this sort of thing in uh, in Montessori where we talk about the power of observation, of observing your child. So, you know, even like we were talking about the resources that you have at home, what do they tend to go for? Do they tend to go for the Lego? Do they tend to go for the painting? Do they tend to go for what do they tend to go for? And through little things like that, you can really sort of pick up what your children are interested in. You know, do they pick up the book about dinosaurs, for example? Or do they pick up the book about, you know, plants and flowers? Through those types of things, you can really get to know your child. And again, like I was saying, ask them what they're interested in. You know, if you want to use this time to experiment and, you know, think about homeschooling, start making some project work and really make it um, child led. Obviously, you will be there as the facilitator, but allow them to sort of explore, discover things that they're curious about. And just use this time to um, allow your child to sort of experiment and discover things that perhaps they might not have been able to discover before, because obviously with school, it's a bit different. You don't have the opportunity to explore your interests as much. So I think that's what I would say is use this time to really focus on connecting with your children, really look at the perhaps the environment that you have at home um, think about what resources that you have at the moment um, perhaps what resources you might want to add. Um, and just, I would say you your answer lies with, I know it sounds so cliche to say this, but your answer lies within your child. 
um, there's a saying that we have that is your child is the curriculum. You're, if you allow yourself to kind of succumb and allow your child to show you what they need to learn, and I think that's the most difficult thing that we find as parents, and I think we touched on this in our previous podcast, where we sort of spoke about traditional schooling, um, and we spoke about um, obviously us going through the sort of education system and having those sort of uh, views of education and what it should look like. Um, so I think really just use this time to get to know your child, but in essence, that's what I would say. Um, well, well, you mentioned the, the the previous podcast. I guess um, we should probably shout that one out again. Uh, we, we, you know, as I said, like we, it, it was a very interesting conversation and, and genuinely very eye opening um, with regards to looking at um, homeschooling and I guess understanding it in a more holistic way. And and uh, as I said, like I think for people that haven't ever looked at it and I know quite a few people now actually that have and people are increasingly looking towards that for various reasons mm-hmm. um but it, it it does seem like a very uh beneficial and and viable option for a lot of people obviously it doesn't come without struggle it doesn't come without effort um yeah. but but the, the rewards are, are, are kind of there in terms of as you said like being able to spend time with your kid but then also appreciating the fact that there are and obviously right now it's not accessible but there are networks and there are trips that be- people go on homeschooling networks where people come together and obviously you're also um like very well placed to to help guide people if they need any kind of support or whatever we'll put your details in the kind of description again um but no, I think this has been this has been really useful and interesting. As I said, like I I I just feel like a lot of people now, and I I, I met someone actually um, a couple of days ago. Um, well, I I say I met someone. It was at the at my local Islamic center. We were handling some sort of burial issues. Um, uh, that's why we were meeting. Just to clarify, I'm not breaking lockdown protocol. This was essential work that was being done. Um, but he was talking about the fact that you know he now. His day has completely changed. He has no work anymore. And he's basically spending the time with his kids who I believe are both under seven. And they basically, they're learning until about one o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the day is just like fun, chill time, you know, do whatever. And and obviously they are learning in their own way through playing, as you mentioned. But like he's he's absolutely loving it because he's always thought about homeschooling and he's wanted to do it, but he's never had the kind of um, capability. But now he's been thrust into this position where he has the opportunity. So I, I think, um, as I said, I, I wanted to have this conversation with you just to add some thought and, I guess, input and, and, and yeah, for, for people that are thinking about this and are now in this position and aren't sure about certain elements of things. I, as I said, I have my concerns about schooling in front of a, in front of a screen. Um, like yeah. I, I think that's quite worrying for all ages um okay. because it's it's not healthy you know I, I think it's important to get up to walk around and, and also being in that kind of classroom environment so I, yeah. I worry almost about the level of education that people are getting currently um yeah. but but obviously as you mentioned and I've, i again it's my favorite word to do with coronavirus we're in unprecedented times yeah. um and and so we just have to <laughs> kind of roll with the punches and, and take what's what, what what comes to us um but no that i mean that's that's everything for me unless you have any final thoughts or remarks that you'd like to make i think uh something that you just said right now which is interesting i mean for anyone who is thinking of homeschooling um there's sort of a narrative at the moment that is that is happening in the homeschooling community where it's uh we're saying that this isn't actually homeschooling that none of us are actually homeschooling this is uh crisis schooling because 
obviously for homeschoolers, like you mentioned, we have uh, you know real life experiences. So for example, uh, two months ago, we were doing recycling at home. We're talking about recycling and looking at that as a topic with the children. And I took them to the local recycling centre that the homeschoolers have sort of set up as a sort of field trip. So I think um, if you're thinking about homeschooling, absolutely experiment with this time. And I understand, obviously, you're finding it difficult. Even as homeschoolers, we're finding it difficult because, you know, our groups have been cancelled. You know, the children can't see their friends anymore. Um, and so just to sort of remember that as much as sort of you, you are schooling at home, you are educating your children at home, um, the sort of the real life homeschooling is yeah. that you are able to obviously go out and socialise and, you know, do sort of, you know, practical, uh, you know, real life opportunities. And to just essentially, as parents, please, 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 Go easy on yourself, um, you know, uh, focus on your mental health and your children's mental health. You know, that's what's most important. And our children will essentially, like I said, again, to reiterate, they will remember mostly how they felt. You know, it will be a, we're living, you know, we are essentially, this is going to be a, a, a time in history that will probably be in our textbooks, you know, 10 years or five years down the line. Um, you know, so just to focus on really um, how our children feel, uh, just making them feel safe and secure. And looking after yourself as parents as well. Well, th thank you again um, for, for for joining us on the podcast. As I said, like I I, I always find uh, well now obviously we've spoken twice, but every time we speak, like you approach things in a very different way that I've I've never quite thought of and understood. So I, I appreciate the kind of um, value you add to to this conversation, and I hope also that people are listening who are parents um take a lot away from this because i think there's there's so much to think about like generally as parents and it's it's overwhelming yeah. enough as it is um but then to throw in this kind of crisis of coronavirus <clears throat> and everything into it it just adds so many different levels and layers of complexity and, and, and as you rightly said like this isn't strictly homeschooling but i know a lot of the same principles do apply so yeah. what you're talking you know what you mentioned about um using your kids intrigues as guiding their learning process i think is really interesting and really important and and, and as, as i said using their surroundings observing your children as well and seeing what they're inclined towards and then incorporate that into into kind of their, their learning um so yeah thank you again uh mariam and uh, i hope i hope we don't on. speak too soon because there's like another crazy crisis um but i do hope <laughs> yeah. we speak again at some point if that makes sense yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> thank, thank you very. I know that's a very that's a very weird way, but yeah, no, thank you. I really appreciate it. Take care.